0: Hello, kittens. These days, it feels like everyone wants to be a celebrity. Well, now you can feel like one and sleep like one when you buy your bed from Mattress Firm. They offer red carpet delivery so you can get the red carpet debut you've always dreamed of. They'll even haul away your old mattress. Is that star treatment or what? Get the perfect mattress at the perfect price without lifting a finger. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast and save 10% with the code podcast10. Save 10% with the code podcast10. I thank you, and the smartest man in the world podcast, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Proops. Hooray, hurrah. Once again, the smartest man in the world, Proopcast takes to the ether. This time from the salubrious confines of Burbank's most enchanting comedy confabulation, Flappers, located at the corner of a mall and a big street next to the freeway. And a weird overpassy thing. And there's an In-N-Out burger and a a very, very classy El Pollo Loco uh, located quite nearby. They that down. There we go. Uh, For those of you listening outside of the California area, uh, El Pollo Loco is where people go um, so that they can lose weight. And... uh, uh, because uh, yeah, uh, and In-N-Out is of course the greatest burger chain in California. Let's be very fucking honest about that. It's it's hard to top the In-N-Out burger. We're also next door to a Ross Dress for Less that has a um, valet parker, and uh, I attempted to park at the Ross Dress for Less tonight. Silly me! I forgot Burbank is a land of rules. You can't smoke a cigarette outside, or you're executed by white people, and uh, you have to eat at a chain restaurant, or you're dragged, you're keel hauled uh, with a white Tahoe down the main down uh, Verdugo. Uh, so I tried to park at the Ross Dress for Less And the valet's like, are you going to Ross? And I'm like No, my career hasn't bottomed out that hard yet But if I do, you'll be the first to know And he's like, no, I don't mean to know about your personal life I just mean, are you going to park for Ross? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to Ross um, My cousin Doug stayed with me in San Francisco once years ago And uh, he hadn't, wasn't married to his wife yet And he came back to uh, um, where Jennifer and I were living and he had a tie with him. And the tie was an egregious assault against taste. Uh, not just now, but for all time. Uh, at any era of man's history, including the cave painting era, uh, this tie would have been a blight on humanity. And I said, Doug, what are you doing with that tie? And he went, I'm going to give it to my father-in-law. And I went, why, don't you like him? And that tie was from Ross Dress for Less and had a giant tag on it. And I thought, if you're going to give your father-in-law a gift and you want to impress him, I think you're going to want to go to a place where ties are in a big barrel, and pick one of them out with your teeth, if you can, as you swing by. Uh, now, I, Ross isn't a sponsor of this show. Uh, and I'm not denigrating anyone who goes there. Uh, but it's, it's not for me, darlings. Uh, that's all. And uh, Burbank, as I say, is a... Uh, I, I, of course, will make fun of Burbank until the end of time, uh, and for a myriad of reasons. Um, but I, the chili parlor here is uh, uh, unsurpassed. Uh, there's a chili parlor. I can't remember what street it's on. One of those main drags on the other side of the hill. And... Uh, I had the pleasure of doing a gig a couple of years ago called Mad World. That was a a video game so violent that I've never watched it, nor have I allowed anyone I know to watch it. Um, But I voiced it over with uh, John DiMaggio, who you may know uh, as... uh, Bender from Futurama, and of course a million other voice roles, and has a famous role uh, on uh, the Proopcast, In so much as uh, years ago, he came up with a theme song for the Audible uh, book company that is a sponsor of this show, unlike Draw, stress for Less. Uh, Audible is uh, what we used to call in the 80s, books on tape. Now, of course, you download them into your swank, uh, you know, uh, downloadable device, and you listen to them with your earbuds while you're working out and uh, watching uh, Newt Ginrich on Fox. And uh, the uh, I'm joking, of course, uh, but... Please, maintain that non-ironic Burbank stance as long as you can. There we go. There's laughter. I knew there'd be laughter before the show was over. I just didn't know when it would come. And uh, uh, John was uh, at one of the shows, and we both had a few drinks, and uh, uh, I was reading the Audible out, and and from the back of the room, John needs no amplification. He's quite loud. I went, Audible, when you don't feel like reading which is, I think, the unofficial theme song of the Audible Corporation. They've never played it, but they're missing a fucking huge chance here because everyone loves the song. uh, And everyone gets the idea when you don't feel like reading and you just want to spin your book... uh, then, uh, you know, like the rings in uh, George Powell's war of, the World, uh, war of the Worlds, no, Time Machine, uh, with Rod Taylor when he meets Mina, the, the you know, who's part of the Paris Hilton clan that's all that's left to people on Earth. are white, you know, they're tan people with white hair. They all look like they're Hiltons. And uh, the, when they find the Museum of Ancient Times, they spin a ring and it goes, in the year after the war that took everyone's life, right? And then the ring like that. Uh, and that's what Audible is. It's a, it's, it's a magic spinning ring from a George Powell movie. Um, I'd like to elevate it a little bit because we we'll would probably try to sell some later. And I want to romance that up for you a little bit. Uh, John was also uh, took part in a, a Michael McDonald sing-off on the show that was impromptu uh, where we each started to take parts of Michael McDonald songs. Uh, and Michael McDonald, as you know, often sings with Steely Dan. And I was given a gift, he said, cleverly segueing into this portion of the show uh, by Michelle as a friend of the show called Major Dudes, A Steely Dan Companion. Now, I don't know what that means. I find a Steely Dan companion is a rail and a glass of vodka. But, you know, you go the way you want to go. I I think it's an unofficial biography or something. As you know, uh, Walter is swirling in the heavens. Uh, Walter, there is no longer a Steely Dan. There is just the Steely Dan now. Uh, Which one is Dan, as they're so often asked. Um, There's only Donald. Uh, Walter is uh, swirling away. And uh, I've seen them. I saw them several times. Of course you have, Greg. You're a middle-aged man. There's two things you have to do when you're a middle-aged man. Um, Pretend you know which bottle of red wine to order. Um, Smoke a cigar on the patio, because if you come inside, you'll be killed. And uh, listen to Steely Dan. That doesn't mean I'm driving around listening to Yacht Rock on Sirius all the time. Uh, And I defy any, any member of Steely Dan to have been on a yacht at any point. Loggins and Messina did an album called Full Sail, where they are pictured on a yacht. Uh, but Steely Dan w- were often not pictured, which was, I think, for your protection when you see what they look like, um, w- just, just as well that they're not on the cover, because uh, they're not going to hot anyone up. No one's ever gone, Steely Dan, fucking let's make this happen. Um, more like Steely Dan, hey, uh, as Jennifer once objected, that's too clean and tight for me to enjoy. Couldn't you loosen up the drum drops a little bit so we could have some soul in this music? And my answer to that is no. We're Jewish intellectuals from the East Coast, and you're getting the pop music the way we make it, which is uh, non-derivative and, and, and inconceivably as tight as possible. We're going to fly across the country to find the right hi-hat sound. Uh, oh, there's an interview and everything. Look at this. Wow. Also, awesomely, and thank you, Michelle. I don't know if you went to the old people's section of the bookstore. The typeface is fantastic. It's like 65 Helvetica. It's just giant, sans serif, enormous letters. I can read this. I can read this, which gives you an idea of how big the type is on this thing. I need Rosetta Stone lettering. You know what I mean? I can't just read any old book. People hand you a book and go, oh, I hope you like this book. And you're like, oh, my God, the type's dense. It looks like armies of lice crawling across the night, you know? And then you get a book like this. and it's uh, What would you say were your main themes as writers? Walter, well, we have the usual ones. Unrequited love, destructive love. Donald, self-destruction. Walter, the erotic. Donald, violence. Oh, we can write about anything. In fact, we were recently thinking about writing something about the Congress of Vienna, which is actually part of the reason I visited the museum at Monaco to get a little atmosphere. Now you can see why only I like Steely Dan, and why they're largely roped off to the rest of society. It's comments like this that have rocketed them to the top of the pop pile. Even in the 70s, they were considered pretentious oncology, uh, what we would have called in the 70s college rock, that later in the late 70s, REM took over uh, and, and were the college rock group. And then uh, later after that, U2 uselessly took over as the self appointed leaders of the free world to defend everyone's rights and shit like that. Um, my feeling is if you're going to wear or- an orange goggle and be a twat and you can't even play a Johnny Be Good uh, properly as a rock song, th- that perhaps your um, standard bearing as uh, the world's savior, bless you. You know the show's killing when you can hear someone mildly sneeze in the third row. Thank you for this uh, book, Michelle. I am going to take it with me to Texas, and I'm going to hold it like a lover the whole weekend. If we were ahead of our time, it was simply because we grew up with a certain natural ironic stance, which later became the norm in society, they are quoted as saying. Well, if an ironic stance means doing so much cocaine that you had to go to rehab a bunch of times, then right on, uh, Kelly Reni. Uh, uh, there's a lot of good Steely Dan lyrics. I was quoting them to uh, Jennifer today, in fact. And imagine how that went over at the dinner table. What woman doesn't want to be quoted? St- they also have some of the perviest lyrics of all time. We, we were on, a, uh, on the last tour we were on with the Who's Line guys. Uh, we were riding, in, uh, I can't remember, in the Midwest somewhere. And we were talking about different songs that are just awful, uh, that are so pervy that no one would get away with them now, but for some reason it was okay then. Like, for instance, Young Girl by Gary Puckett and The Union Gap, where... He says, young girl, get out of my mind. My love for you is way out of line with all the charms of a woman. And you're like, okay, stop right here. I'm making a citizen's arrest on this song. I don't want to hear about how you're hitting on a 15-year-old and it's her problem that she has to leave the situation because your love for her is way out of line. How about this, Gary? Go home and smash it in the bucket. And don't fucking think about it, bro. But Steely Dan wrote a song called Hey 19. That's one of the great patronizing songs of all time. Um, because the girl that he's dating is 19, you see, and he's in his 40s in the song, and somehow we're supposed to be on his side. (laughs) How come the song's not called Hey 42? You have to go to the bathroom every half hour. (laughs) Why isn't that the original lyric? Hey 42, you're listening to shit music that I hate, and you just want to get drunk all night. Instead, it's a, what is it, a, a... She doesn't know who uh, the Queen of Soul is, right? And uh, uh, what is it? She thinks I'm crazy, but I'm just growing old. No, you're crazy. (laughs) You're crazy for dating someone half your age and expecting them to relate to you at all as anything other than a bizarre, iconic totem in their mind. Uh, And like that. So there you are. Uh, uh, Jupiter Jet is a book that was given to me here tonight. I'm I'm looking for your names. There you are. You've signed it. To Greg and Jennifer. Sorry for all the exclamation points. Ashley and... And Jason, thank you. Ashley and Jason wrote this book. Uh, it's a comic book, or what we call now a graphic novel. Um, I work on a lot of cartoons, but they're now called animated features. Uh, and So it's a, it's a graphic novel called Jupiter Jet. This is a copy of Jupiter Jet, the original graphic novel written by my husband and I. It has a dynamic Phil lead and her cat sidekick, Fantastic, who we made a baseball card of, which is included here. Oh, look, kittens, you have company. It's Puddles. Yeah, Puddles and Kittens. It can't get any cuter for the cat people. Yeah, lay that on me, baby. Hey, cool it on Puddles. (laughs) Young Puddles, stay out of my life. Your baseball card is way out of line. I want to rub you, and then I'll snub you. If you don't read the rest of it, maybe the art of the kitty, and the game will amuse yourself. And kittens, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, kittens. Thank you for everything you do, and the years of joy and insight you've brought into it. Thank you so much. That's really sweet of you, Ashley and Jason. Somebody say stop. Okay. um, Pow! Pow! It's a comic book, you guys. Chuck, I overshot the boat, and I'm going faster! The jetpack won't turn off. Could the ray gun be affecting it? Are they reacting to each other? They could... They could be. Chuck, I need you to know. I'm 10. Everything. I'm 10. Everything I do is a best guess scenario. The jetpack's heating up. I can feel it through my jacket. That's probably a thermal runaway reaction between the green and blue thingy. Stupid. Why didn't I think of that before? Jackie, try to shut it down again. It won't turn off! (laughs) Tune in next week for the climactic finale of Jupiter Jet. Will Jackie get the jetpack turned off? Will the dude who says thingy be of any help at all, or will he continue to be a useless white guy? (laughs) Like so many white people are. Absolutely bloody useless. Uh, I know, right? That's what I'm worried about, about going to Addison. I really am. And the the sound person in Addison won't hear this, because it won't go out until after I play Addison. Um, We'll have already done the podcast in Addison by the time he has a chance to even hear the Pasadena, I mean the Burbank show. I don't know why I upgraded us just now. <laughs> it's <past the> data. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh But he sounds like he's on it. But I I play a lot of comedy clubs, and uh, I come in with my iPod. Like, tonight, Chelsea, we went through everything. Like, we didn't even have a chance to rehearse, do anything. She got me the desk. Everyone here at the club was right on it. Um, uh, Chelsea's managing the club tonight, and there's another Chelsea on sound tonight. There's more Chelseas than you could possibly handle. Elvis Costello so doesn't want to go here. And thank you for the four people who got that reference. Oh, no, it does not move me, even though I've seen the movie. I don't want to check your bus. I don't want nobody else. I don't want to go to Chelsea. No, 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 no. My favorite London cab driver story ever is a London cab driver tells the story. and He's in a black cab, and Elvis Costello gets in the cab and goes, I want to go to Chelsea. And the cab driver turns and goes, no, you bloody don't, mate. Because he wrote a song called I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea. In fact, I believe it's in parentheses, I don't want to, or it's I don't want to, and then in parentheses, go to Chelsea. I love when people put parents in their song titles, because it's hard to get through a whole song title without some punctuation. In any case, Chelsea and Chelsea are running the show here tonight. As you can see, it's run by a room full of women, and so everything has come off with no rehearsal and no sound check, and I want to thank everybody here at the Flappers Comedy Club for doing that. I got here late. I used my white guy privilege uh, to get stuck in traffic. Um, uh, Burl Ives is at the Hollywood Bowl or something. So there was a lot of traffic, a lot of camper vans. I remember we played Vegas years ago with the guys and uh, uh, we were at the MGM, and, uh, which is uh, The MGM Grand uh, has like airborne STDs that are like molecules. And people put their beers just anywhere. It's really wild. Anyway, uh, we were always there at Super Bowl weekend. And, uh, one, and usually there'd be someone playing the grand arena there. And I've seen the Rolling Stones there with Jennifer. And what was so excellent when we saw the Rolling Stones was that Huggy Bear, Antonio Fargas was in the crowd that night. We walked right by, and I'm like, fucking, it is night of 100 stars tonight. Uh, huggy, yeah, no one even knows what I'm talking about. But it's okay. Starsky. Starsky and Hutch, exactly. Uh which I don't think anyone remembers the theme song, too, because its theme song wasn't as good as Beretta, which was sung by Sammy Davis Jr., which, was a, which went seventy show. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Don't do it. So keep your eye on the sparrow. But their pimp was different. They had a cliche, stereotypical black pimp on their show as well. And then the pimp on uh, Starsky and Hutch was Huggy Bear, as played by Tony Fargus, uh, who also is quite a good actor and in a lot of groovy uh, movies from the 70s. And uh, so we are playing at the MGM Grand, and Rush was playing there. And uh, uh, the crowd for Rush was funneling one way while we were funneling the other, right? And I don't know if you're familiar with what Rush is. Rush is... um, I think a cult or something from Canada. I don't know. They're like, they go, they play music that goes like, like that, like you're at a dentist and they haven't quite found the drill speed or whatever. And they're Canadian and uh, they wear leather pants and whatnot. Now, Getty Lee, having just besmirched Rush with a terrible brush, uh, Getty Lee made a, a major endowment to the Negro League Museum in Kansas City. And there's an enormous baseball collection there that I don't think anyone, that's unparalleled, of autographed baseballs uh, by Negro League players, including the country singer Charlie Pride, who played for a brief time with the Memphis Red Sox, which my wife is the one who hit me to, and his brother Mac played for the Lookouts, I think, and the, and the, and the uh, Red Sox. Um, Charlie Pride was thrown off of the team bus in 1962. At the Mets Florida Camp by Casey Stengel personally Uh, he was was trying to redshirt into the game and uh, uh, that's when he decided to become a country star and the rest as they say is country history Uh, he is in fact one of three black people that's ever allowed to be a country star as far as I can figure Um, the guy from Big and Rich and Hootie seem to be the other two of course there was black country stars. Black people invented country music. They invented all the music in America. And you may recall uh, Ray Charles' um, Modern Sounds and Country and Western Part 1 and 2, uh, which came out in the early 60s. And if you saw the movie, it's true. He convinced his producers to do them. And in order to compile the songs for the record, he had them play him thousands of country songs, and he chose the ones he wanted to do. And so he did I Can't Stop Loving You. And that song personally resurrected. Country music was in a doldrum when that album came out. Willie Nelson has said that album saved fucking country music. And it was by a black blind person from Florida Who of course said I grew up with country music It's my music too, right? Um, uh, but country music has that thing, doesn't it? In any case, uh, Getty Lee is uh, I think the lead singer from Rush I think he plays drums No, what does he play? Bass They're a three-piece band? What are they, bass, drums, and synth? And a guitar? All right, crowd, I open the fucking floor and I'm getting a lot of bullshit here. I could call one of my relatives if I wanted this kind of inaccurate fucking reporting. Yeah, well, I think it's a bass and, and you know, like, well, are they had a piano. How many times have you seen them? 24. Anyway, they're at a... Who cares? No, 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 I don't want to know. I don't care. Google it on the way home. In fact, Google it never, okay? I'm never listening to a Rush song if I can help it the rest of my life, all right? I've had, I've had to do it a couple times. I love Getty Lee for doing it. I think he's a beautiful person. It's okay uh, that I don't like his music. It's okay if he doesn't like Who's Line. You know what I'm saying? We all make deals in this fucking life. So their crowd is heading into the grand arena at the MGM Grand. And Jeff Davis, who you'll remember from such shows as Harmontown, uh, and many stories on this uh, broadcast, um, comes up to me and goes, I have never seen so many silver ponytails heading to one show in my life. And then uh, George Strait would often play there, and uh, I always always appreciated George Strait as a country star because um, he kind of pulled that George Jones thing of getting sort of wildly drunk in public and having to be carted off by the cops, which I feel like if you're a country star, don't you want to take the Hank Williams route? I don't mean Hank Williams Jr. Hank Williams Jr., that's like saying, like, you like Sarah Palin as a recording artist. But the original Hank. Williams. Who would get so drunk and methed up, and he'd go on stage at the Grand Old Opera and go, "Everybody come here to see old Hank Williams. Why don't you watch this?" And then bonk right on his fucking head. Like that's good country music. <laughs> All the ones that are popular now, I'm, i know, whatever. I dropped off uh, right around when Merle Haggard split. That's right. I take you old school. Not that I don't think Faith Hill should sing at the Aretha Franklin tribute. She seems nice Tim McGraw They're liberals In country world They're liberals They're not like uh, You know Bumstock bimbos Like the rest of the bloody um, In any case uh, here, here Spin that next Aretha Franklin song If you will there Chels Thank you I'll turn this one up A little bit Right Um, If you'll turn it down a little bit. As noted, um, that's not the lyric. Aretha wrote that lyric. It it goes, there is a rose in Spanish Harlem, and Aretha wrote, um, a rose is black. Uh, Aretha Franken's inauguration hat designer talks about, uh, she was classy all the way. This is from People Magazine. Jennifer gave me this article. Her uh, service will have been done by the time uh, this uh, show drops. But for your information, it's on Friday. Uh, and it's going to be on TV, and then there's lots of websites that are going to um, live stream it. Uh, Stevie Wonder's going to play. Uh, she's got Bill Clinton there, Jesse Jackson. Um, Jennifer Holliday's going to sing. It's it's going to be wild. It's from 9 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. I don't know if you've seen her lying in state in Detroit, but it's just sensational. She's wearing a red gown. Her hair is dead. She's got 6-inch red pumps on, and her legs are crossed in the casket. Yeah. She's lying in state like a world leader because she is a world leader. And people are filing by for days and days and days. I don't know if you've seen the line or the video of it. I know there's a lot of white people there and you're very, very busy looking at apps all day long instead of acknowledging that black people, you owe them an enormous debt of gratitude because you built your entire fucking slave world of privilege off their fucking back and all people of color. And that it might behoove you to spend five fucking minutes paying attention to Aretha Franklin, who was honestly a rare talent. Rare talent. In your life, you may not hear someone as good as Aretha Franklin ever fucking again. And that's not to diminish Beyonce or anybody like that, but the power and majesty and the complete dominance of her as a, an artist over the last 50 years is uh, undeniable. So the, the line's gone round the block and round the block and round the block. Uh, and uh, the senator from, uh, from Michigan, uh, the mayor, everybody, uh, the, the great and the good, as they say, and uh, quite right. We were watching a, a live concert the other night, um, that was for, um, uh, Bill and Hillary back in the 90s, and, uh, she got up and sang opera, and then she brought out Lou Rawls, and they did a duet together, and Lou Rawls was all over her, like, white on rice, and I'm not kidding. It was almost me too. It was like, he was, like, all in to Aretha Franklin, and, uh, then she sang classical show tunes, really the gamut of American music, then she did Respect, and, um, It's a really good show. You can watch it on YouTube. It's uh, Aretha Franklin. Because she did all the inaugurations, right? She did Jimmy Carter. She did uh, Bill and Hillary. And she did uh, Barack Obama and Michelle. All of their inaugurations. And the first one in 2008, one of Barack Obama's aides came to him and said, who do you want to sing? And he went, Aretha. He he didn't even get the question out because that's who he wanted there. And uh, he gave a very giant statement upon her passing and uh, said... Uh, And here's a tip at the very end of the statement. Um, Always open, if you're DJing, always open with Rocksteady. Yeah, which is a a very good tip from a president. Um, You notice that uh, Aretha Franklin didn't play Orange 45's uh, uh, inauguration because um, she's a sentient human being uh, with a beating heart and a sense of empathy. And uh, uh, because she's a sensing human being with a beating heart and a sense of empathy, she could smell uh, the sociopathy uh, and the racism emanating off him in giant violent waves, like Cheeto dust. <laughs> I'm not going to discuss uh, any of that, but let's go into this. So she wore this giant hat here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Many unforgettable moments. During Franklin's performance at Barack Obama's 2009 inauguration, her Swarovski crystal-studded hat immediately stole the show. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a giant affair that heads toward the heavens. Um, Like uh, Evangelist hair, the higher the hair, the closer to God, with Aretha Franklin... She already had a ticket uh, to heaven, her father being uh, an eminent uh, minister and kind of a show-busy one. And everyone famous uh, that was in American music and arts and letters in Black World um, stayed at her house, aided at her house, and she grew up with them. And so uh, on top of that, her, her gospel singing is uh, absolutely sublime. Her hat is this uh, – I, I don't know if you're familiar with Swarovski, but it's uh, really restrained and tasteful. Which is to say a gangster would do drugs off of it. Uh, So it's kind of a swirling feathered affair uh, that heads in a giant V toward uh, the sky. And uh, it became the day's most popular meme. The designer behind the topper, Luke Song of Mr. Song Millinery, talked about his close relationship with the Queen. I've known her for 20 years. She's been frequenting our showroom for as long as I can remember, and I've made hundreds of hats for her. Detroit-based. Detroit. Detroit. She would drive around Detroit in her Cadillac and stop in at places and go in places because she was a real person. She lived in Detroit. She didn't live in Hollywood. And she went into... Mr. Song's uh, millinery. She would come into the showroom, and she definitely knew what she wanted. She brought in her own designs and brought in pictures and references. He recalls the design process for the now-iconic hat. She brought in her coat, and she said it needed to be warm for the occasion because it was outdoors. And so just on that alone, I made three different designs for her. She chose the one that ended up being the most popular and viral. The hat became so famous, Franklin loaned it to the Smithsonian, where Michelle Obama's inauguration wardrobe also went on display. But he had no idea what caused the sensation it would. I imagine it was going to be somewhat attention-getting. It was 2009 and social media had just exploded. Who'd have thought it would be one of the first memes out there? I literally had two minutes to appreciate what had happened and the phone started ringing off the hook. And that'll give you an idea of what it was, uh, when it was, 2009. Phones still rang off hooks then. There wasn't just a weird notification and then you looked down and there was some horrible meme, of, you know, or something like that. Despite the fact the star arrived to a studio in a big white limo with her entourage, she says she was very down-to-earth and very personable. She was so soft-spoken and nothing like what I expected. She was classy all the way. I'm very fortunate to have her as a customer. It was a privilege. Uh, yeah, there's nothing uh, I can't imagine knowing uh, Aretha Franklin. Let's see here. Oh, my God, the show's starting a lot earlier than I wanted it to, but there you are. Um, well, we might as well jump right into it. You people are sentient human beings. You wouldn't be here otherwise. And even though it's Burbank, I'm not at all timid to crack right in. Uh, first of all, let's. T- uh, I'm not going to talk about um, the WH or the inhabitants thereof because he gets far too much play on a daily basis. And his crazy... And I, I don't mean crazy uh, in the sense that um, all mentally ill people act like this. His... Lunacy and his uh, um, absolutely selfish impulses grind me down and bore me interminably. The fact that this child is in there is not as a... Uh, and by child, uh, I, I've known many children who were wiser and had better temperaments. Um, this, this infantile fit, uh, this recherche uh, uh, horrible monster of, of um, libidinous predatory greed... Uh, and the sucking vortex of need that he is, um, is not as fascinating to me as the fact that um, the GOP continues to enable him and is going to do so till the bitter end, until everything is a gigantic sucking hole. Uh, This isn't going to end pretty. This is going to end with lots and lots of people going to jail and with lots of indictments and with whole branches of... Yeah. And with what we would consider almost a collapse of the government, but I don't think it will uh, end that way because you've seen in the last week well, everything that's going down and it's not improving let me put it that way uh, i really don't want to hear the white people opinion that i've been given a few times lately well nothing's gonna matter because his base still likes him and the senate's not gonna hey where'd you dig that one up um that's not an opinion. That's just repeating a bunch of stupid shit you heard and that you hold to be true because you're privileged and stuff like that. Loads of people are fighting day after day after day after day to make sure this ends better than you want it to. And by that, I mean the legal system has not collapsed in any way. There are 16 convictions and 5 convicted people so far. We're just awaiting sentencing. As far as uh, Paul Manafort, the incredible sleaze uh, that forced his wife to do unspeakable things that 45 refers to as a wonderful guy and a great guy. He's the opposite of a wonderful guy. You wouldn't want to let me put it this way. After shaking hands with Paul Manafort, you'd count your fingernails and then you'd disinfect them in a bowl of Clorox. He is a vile walking spirochete. He's not a wonderful guy and it's not a disgrace. The disgrace is that it's taken this long. But the exciting part is, this is a much shorter process than you think it is. You're just bored because you have a phone and everything goes very quickly. But the truth is, um, the Mueller team and all the state teams that are working on this are working with lightning bloody speed to have this many convictions and to have this many indictments going already. And we know there's a flood more coming. When the White House counsel is fired by tweet today, in advance, he hasn't been fired post facto. He's been in fi- he's been fired in anticipation of his firing. Um, that doesn't mean the situation is shaping up. It means the Titanic's first chambers have filled, and if all six fill, as Brian Garber says in the movie Titanic, will certainly founder. Um, The matter's at hand. Uh, They want to ram Brett Kavanaugh down our throats so that he can destroy civil rights and make women slaves. And uh, if you think I'm being hyperbolic, I'm not. Um, Look what Gorsuch has managed to do in one short year. These guys are serious about this. The whole point of this charade, the whole point of this fabricated election, the whole point of the collaboration and the... um, uh, uh, conspiracy um, to uh, elect someone illegally uh, by overthrowing the voting system and by using white supremacy and by weaponizing the internet and by using Cambridge Analytica and by taking billionaires' money. All the things that happened that we know now have happened, I'm not theorizing I don't, live in a van, although there was one in the Ashley parking lot that was all black and had tinted windows. And we pulled up next to it and Jennifer went, there's someone in that van. And I'm like, I am not fucking parking here. We we just parked at the drive-thru at El Pollo Loco. A black, unmarked van? Dude, you're creepy. You're creepy. At least get a horse painted on the side, then I'll believe you listen, right? Then I'll believe you listen to Nickelback and are a douchebag and want women to shag you on the horrible carpet that you never clean that's inside. Yeah, I know you have a bong in the shape of a dragon. Boo. It's so easy to call Uh, your senator and uh, it's fun and it's easy in fact um, to call your senator and ask them not to uh, uh, vote for Brett Kavanaugh and it's let's see here if I can do oh fuck yeah we're gonna do it I'm just looking for the goddamn uh... there it is is that it no that's a donation they always want me to bloody donate all right fuck it I'll just call here we go let's see Which one's the phone? Oh, the one with the phone icon. (laughs) This is how you do it, you guys. So don't freak out. Because I know you're all like, I don't want to call. I'm a man. And I'm busy busy looking at porn all day and doing stupid shit. Yeah, I know what you're doing all day. What you're not doing is helping women, and that's what you should fucking be doing. So here we go. We're going to call right now. Yes, please. May I have the office of uh, Senator Kamala Harris? Hi, this is Kamala Harris. Hi, this is Kamala Harris. Thank you for calling my Senate office in Washington, D.C. If you would like to leave a message to share your opinion about an issue, press 1. Okay. When I press 1, I want everyone to yell, don't vote for Brett Kavanaugh. Here we go. There we are. No, I don't want you to do as hap powders as that. When you do it, you're to, you're to say my name is whatever your name is, Craig, Greg, Maoma, Gregorio, Asusardanes, and then. Uh, uh, I'd like to speak, uh, to, uh, I'd like to leave a message for the senator regarding the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. I understand that she's intending on voting him down, and I want her to know that I support her in that position. And I live in Los Angeles, or you know, you guys, I live in Pasadena. Or, you know, <laughs> you can pretend. No yelling, no shouting, no anything like that. I know we yelled, but that'll be a fun one for them. Because imagine tomorrow morning when the person has to go in. And they're usually really nice to people that answer the phone. The person has to go in and and listen back to all the messages. There's just going to be one of a bunch of people going, don't don't vote for Brett Kavanaugh. (laughs) And that person's going to go, oh man, that sounds like Burbank. (laughs) It was a tremendous night last night. um, uh, And for the primaries happened in several states and uh, dozens of women went forward Uh, let's see here Uh, This is Emily's list. 62 pro-choice Democratic women we've endorsed for the House can make it happen. Um, 74% chance of taking back the House this November. That's why there's panic uh, all over uh, the the White House right now and why they're battening down the hatches. Because they now, that if Congress flips and if Congress is full of women, um, then starts the proceedings in earnest. And that means subpoenas and that means committees, actual committees. The Congress is meeting, has a committee uh, that's meeting and met last week that's investigating Hillary's emails right now. Understand that. That's what the Republican Congress is doing. If the Democrats come in, that will no longer be happening. You'll see his personal business investigated. You'll see his tax form subpoenaed. You will see so much hot action uh, that, yeah, it's just going to get super, super, super good. Uh, <laughs> Understand, uh, uh, let's see here, Um, last night there was loads of women uh, that went through um, a second, oh no, I don't want to read you that. In any case, just by pure numbers, 26 women won primaries last night. This is huge because Congress is 19% women. That's the House and the Senate, Right. 500-some-odd people, 19% women. 468 women are running for the House, 51 for the Senate, 40 for governor. Uh, There are six – yeah. They're including um, – well, we'll get to him in a second here. Uh, In the state of Arizona, uh, which uh, tends to flip a little red, uh, Ms. McSally and Ms. Sinema are running against each other. So it is certain that the state of Arizona will have a woman senator. Uh, in November. Uh, whether she is a right wing uh, woman, who is Ms. McSally, uh, but remember who Ms. McSally was running against in that election. I don't know if any of you were following it. A woman named Kelly Ward, who on the day that John McCain died of cancer tweeted, Political correctness is a cancer. So tone deaf doesn't begin to describe where she's coming from. And the other candidate was Sheriff Joe Arpeo, who was running for Senate. <laughs> convicted felon. When you are pardoned of a crime, it means your guilt is without doubt. You have to be absolutely guilty and convicted of a crime to be pardoned of it. Sheriff Joe was running what we like to call a concentration camp uh, in Maricopa County and was basically torturing the people under his charge uh, who were often brown people. Let's hit the nail right on the head here. He's a racist um, and uh, an evil, evil evildoer of the highest caliber. He went down in flames last night, awesomely. McSally is what we call a mainstream Republican candidate, which means she likes free-range Guatemala children. (laughs) If you think my jokes are too harsh, keep in mind that there's hundreds of children still separated from their parents, and there's hundreds of children in prison camps all over the country. And the Republicans could stop it tomorrow, morning, at 8 a.m., if they wanted to. They don't want to. The base, or whoever we're calling them now, signed up for this. The cruelty is what they signed up for. They wanted the racism. They knew they were going to get that. And they wanted the chaos and all that. Uh, And they wanted someone um, wildly uh, ineffective and um, completely uninformed to reflect their own opinions. Because they are wildly uninformed. Uh, And they wanted someone who wasn't... um, uh, uh, so uh, intelligent and perceptive and astute, like your Barack Obama or your Bill Clinton, who could speak off the top of their head and fully formed sentences and took time to think of answers, they want someone who's going to go, a bad witch hunt! <laughs> Blame me, that's fake, It's disgusting, fake. They want that. Uh, and that's why they don't stop it. Uh, that and the Russian money, which is, oh, so Rand Paul delicious. Um, LAUGHTER Mitch McConnell only comes out of his cave in Kentucky for two things, um, to punish women and brown people and to lap up um, bags of Russian money and stuff them in his salamander pouch so he can take them back. There are currently 1,866 female members of state legislatures across the country. That makes up one quarter Of the legislative seats. You may have noticed that state legislatures tend to be bodies of right wing men who do things like throw out the Supreme Court in West Virginia or vote overwhelmingly to restrict abortion in Oklahoma or South Dakota or Iowa. That's what all white male legislatures do in states. They're dangerous, they're toxic, they're an emblem of the toxic male privilege that we're suffering under right now. And that's why having this giant wave of women run for office is going to be a refreshing breath of fucking air for all of us. Um, you may applaud if you wish or you may wish to seem apathetic even though you did yell don't vote for Brett Kavanaugh good for you Uh, there was some terrible shootings of course this week and you may have noticed nothing happened Um, it's been three months since the Santa Fe shooting in Texas and Governor Abbott in Texas hasn't done anything they let those kids go back to school today and they were freaked out they are freaked out walking back into the same hallways where there had been an active shooter three months before. How do you deal with that as a parent? How do you deal with that as a teenager? Oh, I think you never stop burrowing up every politician's butt like an armadillo till the end of time until gun control is had in this country. If it isn't something that's been on your radar, you may have noticed the Russian spy who's arrested and in custody, Maria Butina, um, was part of the whole uh, NRA being funded by the Russians, the Russians funneling all that money through to the Republican candidates who were in the last election to make sure that school shootings continue apace and that white men have the privilege of walking into any situation and shooting people. Because that's what white men require for their autonomy. They don't want – anything women want, um, health care, um, even the most simple things like, oh, I don't know, a free tampon, the ability to walk into a school and not be shot, that's to be contested. But anything that white men need, unlimited ammunition, ammunition the ability to have a serious mental illness and be a, 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 a spousal abuser and still be able to buy a gun, no background checks, anything like that. It's changing and you know it is. Um, guns. At Moms Demand uh, is a grassroots army of at every town. You can go on Everytown or at Moms Demand and show your support by emailing them or joining the uh, the rallies that they do. You may remember how enormous that um, gigantic nationwide rallies were after Parkland. It can happen, and believe me, it gets their attention. It really gets their attention. What gets their attention is when people stop buying from companies that – uh, support the NRA. That's what gets their attention. When people start voting in anti-gun candidates who run on anti-gun platforms, that gets their attention. Um, it's been almost a year since Hurricane Maria <clears throat> tore through Puerto Rico, um, devastating its infrastructure, wiping out of communications. Uh, the exact number of lives has been in question. Mm. Initially, the Puerto Rican government said 64 people After several studies found much higher, uh, this week it was revealed the government raised the official death toll to 2,975. That's a dozen people less than 9-11. To put it in perspective for you, that's a lot of people. They all didn't die when the hurricane hit. They all weren't drowned at once. They died of neglect, malfeasance, want, and lack of proper medical care, plumbing, And any sort of uh, thought... By the way, Puerto Rico is part of the United States. In case you think it isn't because they speak Spanish, it is part of the United States. It is our protectorate. And there's been much talk over the years about making it another state. Of course, we don't want to do that because the corporations abuse Puerto Rico. And uh, I couldn't buy my eye drops that I need for my glaucoma for months because they're made in a factory in Puerto Rico. So where's my fucking parade? No, the the point is this... A normal Senate – and by normal, I I mean one that um, would um, uphold their vow to uphold the Constitution. By the way, 45, like everyone else, put his hand on a Bible and swore to uphold the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't say through neglect and malfeasance and through absolute malice toward brown people, you let 3,000 people die. And – any any other Senate would have impeached him for that alone, don't you think? At least there would have been the repercussions there was after Katrina, where you saw W's uh, approval rating slide right down into nothingness by the end of the second term because he let that happen to Americans, the diaspora of New Orleans. And by the way, he's never off the hook. In case you think, oh, well, you know, W was, he was bad, but like, He's better than this guy. Um, W destroyed the economy of the world. W killed millions and millions of people. He is so not off the hook until the day I die. Um, I forget nothing. Nothing. You don't destroy New Orleans, which next to Chicago and Detroit may have given more music to the United States than any place in the world. uh, And let the population go from half a million to a quarter of a million let douchebags from Brooklyn swoop in and buy all the fucking restaurants and shit and change the very complexion of the pussy. And the crowd doesn't laugh at that. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Ms. Cruz, the mayor of Puerto Rico, uh, was quoted as saying, um, this, is, this number, this 2,975 number, is his brand. And that he has no empathy whatsoever for Puerto Rico. You may remember he called her out as a Democrat. Uh, that was his response to her complaining there wasn't enough... Um, aid and that he went down there and threw paper towels at a room full of people and wore a baseball hat and that that was enough for him he was quoted today as saying I wasn't going to speak of him but I'm I'm here I think we did a fantastic job in Puerto Rico there's no evidence for that whatsoever Um, the last people to have any power come back on was last week it's been a year you guys they're very close to the United States physically It's easy to get there. Real fucking easy to get there. Um, It's a a humanitarian crisis of insane proportions, and we wouldn't have allowed any other president to do it. If Barack Obama hadn't sent um, immediate supplies to Haiti when they had their uh, earthquake, would we have been able to hold our fucking heads up? If you're a Republican and you're listening to the show, one, good for you, and thanks for sticking this far into it. But if you know any Republicans, say your mom or dad or uncle or your cousins that you have to go visit from time to time, you might want to just bring this up to them. Is it okay with them that 2,975 people died and that there's babies in cages and that no one does anything about it because they're all corrupt and took Russian money? That's cool with you? It was enough to get two Supreme Court justices? Not yet. They only have one. We can still stop Kavanaugh. Um, was, that was enough to get a bunch of people appointed to the court? To get uh, the tax break for the billionaires? Because the tax break's not going to winnow down to anybody else. No. They've already shown that it's a complete... Uh, Scam. Anyway, you may want to bring that up, or you may just want to get really drunk and go hide and watch football in the other room. Speaking of institutions that have failed us, like men, um, Mark Tyson in the Washington Post. This is about the Catholic Church. And if you're a Catholic, hey, If you're still hanging in and you're still a Catholic now, wow. I think it was George Michael who said, you've got to have faith. Because I have no idea what you're clinging to now. I really, really don't. Gosh, I don't. Nuns killing orphans in Vermont. That's the tip of the fucking iceberg. Ireland. Uh, The the prisons that they ran for children in Ireland so they could be abused. And we haven't even got to Pennsylvania yet. Mark Tyson, for the first time, I understand how the Reformation happened. Thank you. If you know anything about history, and uh, because you live in Burbank, I'm guessing you went to a California public school, so maybe I'll fill you in on this. (laughs) Uh, During the Middle Ages, um, the popes were quite corrupt. They did things like preditate on women and have wild parties and send armies out into the field and uh, uh, invade uh, other foreign sovereign entities. Does any of this sound familiar to you? They held orgies in the Holy See, Mm. and they had illegitimate children whom they appointed to high posts within the papacy, such as cardinals and bishops and things like that. They were an all-male organization. Does any of this seem familiar at all to you? (laughs) Their corruption became so disgusting and the selling of uh, – uh, uh, um, you, know, you, you want absolution in the Catholic Church, right? You want to go to heaven, which is why every mafia don on their deathbed was absolved and every medieval king, no matter what horrors they inflicted on their people, received absolution from a priest and was sent immediately to heaven. Uh, whereas, of course, they should have gone to purgatory where they would have had to chew on a turd until the end of time. If you know anything about the Catholic hierarchy, there's a waiting room for the afterworld because this is Catholicism. With Jews, there's no fucking afterworld. Hell is here. <laughs> and with Protestants, they don't believe in anything mammon, mammon, right? Money is Protestant God. Just don't interrupt me while I'm making money is, is, is the Protestant religion. I, I'm, I'm quoting freely from the Protestant Bible. It's called the, the Book of White Guy Bob. And chapter one of the Protestant Bible goes like this. On the first day, come on, I got to get back to work. I got a tea time. I got a tea time. To quote my friend Warren Thomas... That may be why white religion has provided no good music. Why the Protestant religion has provided no good music. His impression of white um, spiritual music was, Oh, Lord! In fact, his joke was, he said the worst part of any shuttle crash is having to watch white people sing. And then he would go, Oh, Lord! Uh... Reading the standing letter from Archbishop uh, Carlo Maria Vegano, in which the poor, uh, formal Papal nuncio says he personally informed Pope Francis five years ago about the accusations against then-Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, is heartbreaking and enraging. On his flight back from Ireland, Francis responded to Vigano's testimony by declaring, I won't say a single word on this. Sorry, that's not good enough. 500 years ago, faithful Catholics waited too long to root out corruption in the Vatican with disastrous consequences. We can't make the same mistake again. What were you getting at, Greg? What I was getting at was this. They were selling absolutions by the bushel. You could come and walk in with a fistful of gold, and that would get you a a pardon and absolution. You were forgiven for your sins. And it became so revolting, and the local parish priests were so predatory on all the parishioners um, that a a revolt took place in Europe led by uh, the, the priest Martin Luther. And Martin Luther uh, went to the Catholic Church in uh, Worms, Germany, where Jennifer had been to the church, where he nailed his tenets up to the wall, and he put them on the wall. And it was all about how they should be less corrupt and uh, how they should get back to Jesus and whatnot, the original intent of the church. He was also wildly anti-Semitic, but that's just a byproduct of being Goyim. (laughs) Uh, And that's why the Reformation happened. And uh, if this doesn't cause another Reformation in the Catholic Church, wow. Um, The amount of uh, cover-up. Let's see here. I have things on two sides of a piece of paper here. Here we go. Law enforcement officials across the country are considering how to investigate abuse cases by the Catholic Church. States have been pressured to act following the mid-August release of the searing Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report, which identified 300 priests who committed sexual abuse... On more than a thousand children. Systematic cover up by senior church officials in Pennsylvania and the Vatican over 70 years. Uh, in Missouri, the Archdiocese of St. Louis have agreed to voluntarily open church records. In Illinois, AG Lisa Madigan plans to meet with the Chicago Archdiocese. In Kentucky, AG Andy Beshear's office is looking to see what statutory tools. In Florida, AG Pam Bondi, the one who takes money and appears on Fox News. She's appearing on Fox News this week. Most attorney generals in the United States are quite busy (laughs) and don't have time to be TV personalities while they're being attorney general. You may have noticed that our attorney general, Xavier Becerra, is rarely on Fox News commentating because he's busy with the matter at hand. AG Pam Bondi says her state's 20 elected attorneys have jurisdiction. That's handing the ball off. So she's going to mount no investigation into what's going on in the Catholic Church. New York AG Barbara Underwood, who might be saving democracy along with Angela Merkel, uh, has contacted district attorneys to begin an investigation of uh, potential abuse. We owe it to past victims and current victims to fully investigate sexual abuse crimes, said Albany County District Attorney David Suarez, who heads the DA's Association of New York. The power of individual attorney generals, attorneys general varies widely through the country. And Congress has shown little interest in getting involved. <clears throat> of course they have, because it would be making a principled stand. And that's not going to happen with this Congress. Um, it's all about the victims. All the boys and girls, all the men and women that have been victimized uh, by not just priests. Of course, the Catholic Church is rife with this. It's really time to clean house. It's time for you, as a human, to stand up and be vocal about that as well. You can complain. Well, I don't know what to do. Um, you can call, yes, you can call your representatives, the Attorney General of California. You can write letters. Um, you can go on. There's loads of websites now about this, as you might imagine, uh, about the Catholic Church and what's going on right now. Um, it is uh, a scandalo and really, really... Uh, don't you care uh, about the victims I think we all do I think we all feel awful about it is anyone in this room uh, uh, not aware of someone in their life or themselves that's been abused whether it was by a priest or a relative or a friend or a date or whatever Um, are you flashing the light for some reason am I to wrap up yes yes The show's an hour and a half. I'm instructed to give you a light at 50 and 55. Oh, I think. Thank you, darling. We're going to go an hour and a half. You're only keeping by the letter of what I sent you. I appreciate that. Chelsea's reading by the rules here, and I'm stomping all over them. I'm not wrapping up. There's There's time left. Thank you. You confused me by being accurate and on the ball. As I was saying, I'm used to dealing with men in venues. And men do things like, Hey, do you mind if I take the case off your iPod? I can't get the cord to go in it. No woman's ever said that to me. No woman sound person has ever said to me, I have to take the case off because I can't get the cord in. Put the fucking cord in. (laughs) Guys who do sound have said the following things to me over the last seven years of recording the podcast. Where's my iPod? Oh, I don't know. I left it on the console. Uh Uh-huh. Um, uh, in Norway, uh, the guy didn't get any of the cues right, and when I gave him a CD that said pre-show music, and I said, you speak English, right? And I go, what does that say on And he said, pre-show music. I walk into the room, there's no music playing. And I said, how come the pre-show's not playing anyone? Oh, you wanted me to play that before the show? <laughs> then after the show said to me, that was the second worst show I've ever done. And I said, what was the worst one? Then we did it in Holland, and the the guy couldn't get anything right. And Jennifer went up to him and went, you need to do the cues. And the guy said to Jennifer, you're making me nervous. He was a sound guy in a comedy club. In New Orleans, the guy didn't want to play the iPod for me. He said, well, why don't you do it? So I did my own iPod, and it didn't really work out. It was hard to play the cues and do everything, unlike with Chelsea, who's keeping me on the straight and narrow. And after the show, he said to me, I really should have done that. And I went, yeah, you should have. Instead of sitting with your thumb up your ass and taking $50 of my fucking money, you asshole. So this is what it's like to work with men. Now, I don't have to explain any of this to the women in the room. All the men in the room are like, really, I didn't know men were that difficult. That's because you're a man and you never think about anything except your dick and cereal. You really don't think about anything, ever. You don't think about being meticulous. You don't think about doing the job to the letter that it was... Some men do, obviously. You, I can name one or two men who took their job really seriously and studied hard. Barack Obama? He stayed up all night and studied. He was prepared when he got into a meeting. Now look where we're at with the bar with men. I <laughs> <Well, no>, Korea! <laughs> he hasn't read. He doesn't know anything. He won't read. He doesn't study. That's where men are coming from, baby. They don't want to study. They want to do anything. I had forgotten that we'd given Chelsea my strict instructions on how to conduct the podcast, which requires there to be a light at 50 and a light at 55 for my own guidance. I became so blinded by and infatuated with the sound of my own voice that I forgot those cues were written in. So I'm hoping the one in Addison will be good. By and large, they're really nice, man. When we played a Lincoln Hall in Chicago, the guy who did the sound was so great, and it was so easy, and I said thank you to him like four times. Finally, he went to me, this isn't rocket science. And I went, yeah, but you don't understand what I've been through. (laughs) Oh, Seattle this year at the Crocodile. I brought a different Zoom with me. I had a Zoom recorder. And the guy, uh, uh, an hour and a half sound check. This is how much tech I have. One iPod and a mic, an hour and a half. And I said to him at the end of the hour and a half, this is the longest sound check I've ever done. And he went, really? And I go, I'm not a 15-piece funk band. (laughs) Then he brought me the Zoom back at the end of the show into the dressing room, and I said, play it for me. I want to hear you play it. I want to hear that you've recorded the show. Play it out loud for me. And he went, oh, I can't. I don't know what screen we're on. (laughs) Guess what he looked like? He was a white guy with a beard. Now, these are minor annoyances. I'm not a woman, so I don't have the white guy with a beard rubbing his dick against me when he passes too close in the break room. I don't have the white guy with a beard going, Tiffany, I've been looking over your ideas and I've decided to claim them for myself in the next meeting. Uh, But that's what white guys do. All, All men, but a lot of white guys and I have people write me I had a guy write me a couple weeks ago and you can write me at fanmailforgreg at at gmail.com fanmailforgreg at gmail.com and I do answer I answer them Uh, I try to Uh, he wrote me and he went you're always on white people when you're on white people that's my family man I'm like have you ever ever thought of stepping outside yourself for two fucking seconds I'm a white people I get it how come I can have the perspective how come I can hate white people and be one at the same time Really? My family's white. Well, pretend they're not for a minute. And then think how you'd feel. (laughs) Pretend that your entire civilization was built on the fruits of subjugating the indigenous people and every subsequent people and then the enslaved people that you brought over and that that's why you have a car. (laughs) Think about that for a minute and then write me again about how your family's white. Obviously, your family's white. You don't understand anything. <laughs> Only white people think of things like, well, there's two sides to every story. <laughs> no, there's not. There's a million sides to every story. Only a white person boils it down so that it's something so, what's how do you pronounce that word, Manichean? That it's all black and white? That the world is, oh, look, one time, turn over, turn over, turn over, turn over. I'm just following the instructions. There's not two sides to a bunch of things. There's not two sides to misogyny, homophobia, racism. There's not two sides to pedophilia. There is no two sides to the Catholic Church right now. There's one big ugly side, and it needs to be fucking solved. There's no two sides to the GOP. They're Nazis who jail children and foment racism. So if you're asking me to see it from their point of view, I'm not. I don't care anymore. I don't have to because I know that I think about things and read things and think of things analytically. If you're not thinking of things analytically, then you're going to go like, well, I don't see Everything's good. I don't need to vote. There's two things you should do in your life. Try to fall in love if you possibly can at any point. You'll be lucky if it happens. If you can fall in love, it's it's super awesome. And be politically active. You only get one fucking chance in the world. There's people who are coming after you. Maybe that maybe a lot depends on what you do. Does that ever? uh, There's a movie with Ashton Kutcher, and he steps on a butterfly. Maybe that'll help spell it out for all y'all. You aren't being punked right now. There are icky white people trying to destroy the world. And their friends. Who are their friends? Modi in India. Duarte in the Philippines. Right? There's plenty of evil fuckers uh, running around. Uh, Which brings me to this. If you want to help abused women, uh, donate to... uh, R-A-I-N-N dot org. And the number, if you are um, seeking help from abuse, is 800-656-4673, which is 800-656-HOPE. It's a 24-hour hotline. If anyone you know or anybody is in a situation where something bad's happening to them, which brings me to this, and we haven't spoken about it at great length on the show, but I have to address it tonight. Um, Louis C.K. did a set a couple nights ago at the Comedy Cellar in New York. Louis C.K. Um, isn't in jail, wasn't charged with anything, um, lost a bunch of uh, show business deals, and basically has laid low for about eight months. Now, the things he did, uh, uh, the, that, uh, the exposing himself and masturbating in front of women uh, against their will, keeping them in a room and doing it, um, carries a sentence of a year. So there's a lot of argument and flapdoodle, doodle, hee-haw, and bullshit this week about whether it was appropriate for him to come out, by the way, unannounced, You can look at it that way. Someone who we know to be a predator of women comes into a place unannounced and you don't have the opportunity to know beforehand whether they're going to come in or not. Played for a room that was largely man and someone yelled out in the back, it's good to see you and all that. I'm aware that Louis is a talented comedian. I'm aware uh, that Louis is a good writer. Um, These are not mitigating factors in the acts that he committed against women. I ask you and I beg you to spare a thought for the women comedians that he did this to who had their career thwarted by show business and by the management that was happy to look the other way and stomp them down whenever they tried to say anything. I would like you to look at that. Prima fasci. That means first and foremost. Before you're sad that you can't watch Louis anymore because they pulled it off FX, I want you to be sad for the women who had to... If it happened to you, if it happened to your sister, if it, do you have you no know, empathy? Have you no... Know, idea of understanding of what having a man force himself on you is like and what it does to you. It's an ugly, ugly situation. And it's not something we can skate over and go, Oh, he did his time. He didn't do any time. He did not. He was not punished. He was punished by show business. He lost the distribution of the film he had just made, which had the unsavory plot of having a teenage daughter and a lot of long loving looks at her and stuff like that. Now, We can argue this morally uh, and and, uh, 15 million ways from Wednesday. But this is how it goes down. There's not a woman in this room who hasn't been stuffed by a guy at her job, and I don't mean sexually stuffed, I mean had, had been walked over, been passed over, didn't get the raise she wanted, didn't get the promotion she wanted because a man forged in ahead. Or have you seen men rise up in the hierarchy of whatever you do in your life? And I mean everything from fucking in and out Burger to the highest corporate offices in the land because men hang out together and men play golf together and men talk about women's bodies together and men abuse women and cover for each other, and women cover for them too, and anyone who's doing that is being an enabler, and it has to stop, and it has to stop right the fuck now, here and now. Um, My personal admiration for Lou has nothing to do with this whatsoever. He's transgressed against women, and it cannot stand. I am not going to play on comedy bills anymore if I have anything to say about it at any comedy club with three guys on the bill. I can't do it anymore. Women are over 50% of the people in the world. They are not over 50% uh, 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 represented in comedy. Women still have to fight and scream and kick and yell just to be fucking heard as comedians. Um, I know it doesn't appear to you that way. You think, well, there's Amy Schumer and there's Hannah Gadsby. Um, There wasn't a Hannah Gadsby in the mainstream 15 years ago, Right? There, there was not the amount of black female uh, stars uh, uh, the Tiffany Haddish, uh, uh, Leslie Jones, 15, 20 years ago. There wasn't. SNL had one black woman on it fucking ever until a couple of years ago. I mean, women are systematically kept out of every decision-making process, particularly in show business, and especially in comedy. I've spent my whole life playing in clubs, watching guys talking about masturbation, watching guys talking about rape and triggering, uh, horrible triggering jokes. I have been guilty of doing awful jokes that were sexist and mean. Uh, I made fun of Britney Spears. I made fun of the Kardashians. I've really tried to excise that all out of my act. I I could make fun of Kellyanne Conway and and, um, Sarah Huckaboom more than I do. But I, I even try not to do that because it's also triggering. Having the leadership of the country be a group of enabled predator pedophiles and by the way, setting up prison camps for children is an invitation to pedophilia, like having parishes with priests that run hither uh, and thither and have no fucking adequate supervision and are moved from parishes to other parishes when they transgress rather than facing any punishment. Letting the people in show business um, that are the gatekeepers that decide who's going to get a special, that decide who's going to get stage time. How many women quit comedy in the last 40 years because they can't take it anymore? because they can't take the men that are in comedy, the men that run comedy. Lots of women, lots and lots, I assure you. Um, I know it's not a funny topic, but I really, really feel like I have to address it. I haven't enough. And it's, it's revolting to me. Uh, when I first started, uh, back in the, right after World War II, there... <laughs> Let me put it this way. When I was a little kid on TV... There was lots of comedians on TV, among them, Bill Cosby and Woody Allen. And on TV, we were allowed to have uh, uh, Moms Mabley, Toadie Field, Joan Rivers, and Phyllis Stiller. Phyllis Stiller and, uh, uh, did self-deprecating jokes about herself, and so did Teddy Fields. Joan uh, m- made fun of other people quite a lot, and... Uh, obviously went on to be a, a comedy legend. Moms Mabley was quite old and wore a housecoat and curlers on stage. That was her act. She shuffled on. That's the extent of women I can remember. Then when the sketch shows came out, they started to let other women on the shows, uh, uh, Teresa Graves and Chelsea Brown and Judy Carn and uh, uh, Ruth Buzzy and Joanne Worley, Goldie Hawn, Lily Tomlin. Then it started to break open a little. Then Saturday Night Live actually did the wild thing when it started of having three whole women in the cast. Now, I auditioned for a crappy sketch show that was on Fox TV in the 80s, and I can't fucking remember the name of it because it was so shitty. And I remember one of the women saying to me, I couldn't get a part on it because they had a redhead. I was asked when I auditioned to take my glasses off by the person who got me the audition. And I said, but I wear glasses. And she said to me, but we already have someone with glasses. This is how comedy is cast, you guys. We have a black person. We have a fat guy. We have a blonde girl. That's how they look at it. And now, let's open up the field to the open-mindedness of 2018. We have a queer, non-binary person. Right? We're ticking all the boxes because we're so cool now. Well, all that shit has to come to a crashing fucking halt. Um, I can't support uh, male comics who are sexist. I remember working with a guy in New York And he did this inconceivably awful ejaculation joke. And I walked over to the manager of the club, and he didn't even say a word to me. He went, I'll get someone different tomorrow. And I'll cut him down. They didn't fire the guy. They cut him down to like five minutes. And then at the end of the week, he said to me, thanks for not having me fired. And I just went, "Mm." now I think I would have him fired. Because the joke made the room freeze over, and it was triggering as fuck, and it was disgusting. And I don't need to hear it. I have a little bit of power, right? I don't make decisions. I don't, I don't have a network deal. Uh, I, I don't have the ability to grant a bunch of people jobs. But I can give women jobs when I do stand-up. And uh, I intend on doing that. Jenny Yang wrote this. Uh, oh, oh, Kathy Griffin wrote a piece today on Twitter where she said a woman had just uh, contacted her and said she was quitting comedy because she couldn't take it anymore. The men. And by men, I mean the agents, the managers, and the people who run show business. Because it's men, mostly. It really is. Lots and lots of men. And I'll go even one step further. A lot of the people who run comedy have no sense of humor whatsoever and don't even appreciate comedy. That's not to say all of them. Lots of them do. I'm lucky. My manager's lovely, and he thinks I'm funny. (laughs) My manager is quoted in the New York Times in the Louis C. article from a year ago um, as being the one who went to uh, uh, Louis' management and said... These girls were abused by him, and they went, oh, no, we'll handle it, right? So, But a lot of people who work in comedy are dour bean counters, and to them, they could be in any business. They could be selling tires. They could be uh, uh, digging a hole. It doesn't matter. Comedy is just the mode by which they make the money. Uh, Like I said, there's lots of people who really appreciate comedy. There's lots of people who are lovely about comedy. I'm lucky enough to work with lots of them. Uh, The JFL group from Canada, I play lots of festivals for them. They care. The the gigs go off on time. There's food backstage. The mics work. The tech is great. That's how you know they fucking care. And they've made a huge effort to get more women in over the last few years. But efforts aren't made everywhere. And I still go to comedy clubs where it's all guys. All guys. All guys on the bill. That's supposed to represent society. Three white guys on stage telling jokes about how fat their girlfriend is for a fucking hour and a half. Now, to be even more fair, the young comics of this generation that are in their 20s and 30s, the men and the women, are a million times hipper than my generation was. I grew up in a generation in the 80s. 80s comedians take a deep dive sometime. Um, it's fucking disgusting what guys were talking about, what they were getting away with on stage, the amount of fucking inconceivable racism and misogyny. Um, And in the last few years, I've done festivals in um, Helsinki and a few other places where I saw more sexist comedy than I thought could ever fucking happen again. So that's how I feel um, about Louis getting to do a set. Um, He has to atone, and atonement means you make things right. Jenny Yang wrote this. You've admitted to sexually assaulting comedians in a work culture where a fellow people of power took actions to keep the victims not working and quiet about the offenses so you could make millions and keep working. How do you atone? A thread of solutions. Privately apologize to each of your victims. Number two, write letters and make phone calls to all of the club bookers, hosts, waiters, agents, managers, tour managers, and fellow comedians who protected you to apologize to the survivors. Number three, Take a full accounting of all the earnings these survivors missed, they'd hypothetically continued on their career trajectories without your enablers. Pay them that amount. Number four, take a full accounting of all the physical and emotional labor and services your survivors have had to pay for themselves or neglected because they couldn't afford it. Pay for that. Number five, if these survivors are still performing comedy or even if they're not, ensure they get job shows and stage time for as long as they need through your considerable network of gatekeepers. Number six, Use your money and network of gatekeepers to make sure all comedy clubs are to be managed by at least half women or non-binary people. And book this way as well. That one, I couldn't fucking scream here, here to loud enough. If I have to go into one more dude who runs a comedy club's office and say in the morning, this happens every week when you go on the road. They take you out to do the radio and the TV, which by the way, puts no one in the club. TV and radio haven't put people in the club since 1989. They might as well make an announcement before the show to turn off your beeper. <laughs> I do it because I'm a good sport. Uh- And I've done a few that I've told the clubs that I didn't want to do because the people were screaming redneck racist assholes. And I did one a couple years ago. I said, please don't make me do this. I don't want to do it. And they went, it's really important for us to do it. I did it. The guy treated me like an asshole. And I had the publicist call me and apologize the same morning, 20 minutes later when she heard what happened on the show. And I said, I wonder, might you trust me after 35 years in the business to know who's an asshole and who's not? I don't go on the radio with the intention of not selling tickets. I go on the radio, um, Chuckles the fucking clown. You're gonna, I'm gonna get people to come to the show by being fucking funny. And this guy went, hey, poops. And I said to him, he said to me, could we be friends? And I said, yes, if you never spoke. And then he said something hideously, hideously racist. And I said, you know, you're as proud of your ignorance as if it was a pony that you raised for 4-H. And he got real mad at me. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you. How does that fucking grab you? Uh, so that whole idea. I, every day I have to get in the car with the guy who runs the club or the PR person for the club. And I go, how many tickets have we sold for tonight? And would you like to guess what the answer is? No, zero, fuck you. I don't come to hot dog on a stick, do I? And knock your little hat off? You went with zero because you're a guy. The answer is, oh, I don't know, I haven't checked. I've been in the business a long fucking time. Not one club person has ever said to me when I got in the car with them on fucking Friday morning, there's 120 in for the first show and 205 in for the second show. I don't know. I haven't checked. Why haven't you checked? Aren't we in the same business? The business is putting people in a club, Say they drink. The entire raison d'etre for live comedy Aside from uplifting you and making your heart sing like a hawk, having you toss your head back with gales of laughter and forget your workaday troubles for but a moment because of our arduous labor up here being the satirical pixies that we are, those reasons aside, the french fries that you ate and the drink you drank is why this club is here. It's why any club is here. I know that seems very cynical and bottom line. David Feldman said to me once, comedy is telling jokes to drunks in bars. Obviously it's a lot more. I embrace comedy and I love all the things it can do. But I really get tired of a bunch of guys stop making money off comedy and fame while you got using your privilege uh, you got while using your privilege and power to sexually assault women number 8 lead a movement to create and fund legislation, nonprofits and policies that keep sexual assault and harassment out of the comedy workplace. Uh, Number nine, donate to rain.org and tell your fans, followers to donate to rain.org and to post their donation receipts online to show evidence, ideas from Chick in Kiev. Um, And that's what Jenny Yang had to say about it. I couldn't agree with all these more. Um, Bill Cosby's not going to do it. You realize what Bill Cosby said last week. He said that um, his reputation was being ruined. He's going to go to jail forever for rape. And he thinks he has a reputation. He was still doing live gigs, by the way as you remember, before he went to jail, still doing live gigs and having crowds of people come to see him because they still like him and they still think he's funny, despite the fact that it is now known that at least the two women that the convictions are for and 50 others that came forward, he spent a lifetime drugging women and raping them. I loved Bill Cosby when I was little. I don't need him anymore. The world goes on without him. The world goes on without Matt Lauer. Who thinks he's going to make a comeback on TV. The world goes on without Charlie Rose and Garrison Keillor and Harvey Weinstein. Movies are still going to get made without them. But this is a fumigation exercise and people have to be rooted the fuck out and made to atone. Matt Lauer is not in jail. He lives in the Hamptons. He got $50 million a year. Bill O'Reilly got a giant severance package and had to pay out $32 million because of the women he abused on a consistent basis at Fox News. And Bill Shine, who was a defender of his there, is now working at uh, the White House. Roger Eales was one of the White House's best friends and really helped all this happen. The national dialogue of this country was absolutely lowered to the floor and below by Roger Ill's flagshipping Fox News, creating a false equivalence, creating an alternate universe that white people could go to and seek solace when it all became too much, that they didn't want to stay in shape, that they didn't want to achieve, that they didn't want to read or study, that they wanted to take opioids, and that they wanted everyone who tried harder than them, that were people of color and women, to be shut fuck down and that they wanted that to be government fucking policy every moment of their lives. Roger Ailes started it. We know for a fact that he abused women. Thank God he's fucking dead now. Um, And if you think that it's wicked to speak evil of the dead, it's even wickeder to abuse women for your whole life and never ever atone for it. Women get stuffed in every fucking business. I used to work at a comedy club in Seattle in the 80s and I would go to the bar upstairs and I would order a drink. And the waitresses had to order from the same bartender. And he has worked there for years. And I remember being next to a waitress. And she said, can I get two uh, you know, gin and tonics, a beer, and this and that? And he went, why don't you suck my dick? And he said this to every waitress every time they ordered all the time ever. And he still worked there. And I remember at the time going, oh, my God, does he do that all the time? She's like, yeah. But like all women, she had to put up the fucking shield and just go, yeah, yeah. And that's what he's like. That's over, you guys. That has to be over. For real, if your friends do it, if your friends act like that, don't be their friend. If your friends are being sexist, fucking pieces of shit, shut that fucking shit down. There can't be this anymore. The groping and the grabbing. Uh, There was a giant article in the LA Weekly about the IO and the UCB in Hollywood and all the fucking sexual fucking predation that goes on there. Yeah, I'm fucking naming names. Uh, why, Why should we not anymore? Who who are we fucking protecting? Uh, and like that. So, what can you do? You can listen to women comedians, um, but you're a man. I know. I speak from the place of pure evil. I'm a white middle-aged privileged man, so I know what our fucking evil plans are for all y'all. Because, as Jennifer pointed out to me, I was led into all their meetings because I'm a white guy. Uh, I'm not let into all the, all the meetings because I'm effeminate. And I'm not let into a lot of the other meetings because I'm feminist. And I'm not let into a lot of the other show business stuff because I'm outspoken about how I feel politically and I, and I don't hate women. Um, and guys don't really feel comfortable around that. Guys want it to be the way it always was. You know, baseball caps. And talking about cars. Yeah. You know, guy stuff and sports. Sports are real important. Greg, you never shut up about baseball. Fuck you. <laughs> and porn. Uh, um, we're in Addison this weekend, though. Then we go to uh, Toronto. Uh, we'll be in Toronto the 20th through the 23rd um, doing stand up at the JFL Festival. The 22nd is the podcast, which is a daytime affair for all my Canadian chums. Um, then uh, let's see, we go to um, Portland, Oregon, October 18th through the 21st. The podcast is on the 18th. I thought it was on the 21st. There we are. That's at the Helium Club, which is great, good fun, and managed by a woman. Uh, then we'll be in uh, Tacoma, uh, the 8th and 9th. Uh, of November and then uh, Spokane on the 10th and 11th of November we'll be doing podcasts in both of those places I'm on the road with uh, Colin Mockery and Brad Sherwood we're going to Australia and we're going to be in Australia in Brisbane uh, Perth Melbourne Sydney um, and then New Zealand and Wellington Auckland and Napier and that's for a couple weeks in Australia you can go on gregproops.com and find all that then we'll be at the Shakespeare and Company for a live podcast in Paris on uh, December 11th, then we'll be doing Who's Line live at the Royal Albert Hall uh, on the 15th and 16th of December, and that's with Colin Mockry Bradshaw, with Jeff Davis, Josie Lawrence, cl- uh, Clive Anderson, uh, Linda Hall, uh, and Laura Taylor. Oh, I just got their names wrong. I, Linda Taylor and Laura Hall. I've only worked with them for 20 years. No respect for women. Then the next, then the next night we'll be at the Soho Theatre in London. Uh, uh, and, yeah, uh at the that'll be the 17th of December and then we hope back in um San Francisco. There's also a special surprise that I can't tell you about cuz we haven't signed the papers yet, but uh uh that's supposed to happen soon. It'll happen in October. It rhymes with Schmitemer before Schmismus. So uh, then we're on the road with Whose Line Is It Anyway? That's Ryan Stiles, Jeff Davis, Joel Murray, Bob Dirkouch our musical director and me. Uh, September 7th uh, at the Great Eagle Resort in Calgary. Uh, the 8th in Edmonton. And then Buffalo, Rochester, Ithaca, Northampton, Boston, Medford, St. Paul, Cedar Falls, Madison, Rockford, Springfield, Newark, Westbury, Ashbury, Asbury Park. Uh, yeah, Asbury Park, you guys. Rosalina, jump a little higher, senorita, Um, Wilmington, Delaware, yeah, a state that's so small it has adhesive on one side, it's Rhode Island without the mafia, people, Uh, Washington, D.C., Frederick, Maryland, Indianapolis, Bloomington, Illinois, Midland, Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Columbus, Ohio, Tucson, Arizona, Mesa, Arizona, Anaheim, and then San Luis Obispo. So we've got a lot of gigs with the Who's Line guys. Oh, yeah, I work. Uh, you, you better work, as, uh, as Aunt uh, Esther once urged us. Um, so we'll be on the road with all that jazz. Uh, oh, and now it is actually uh, close to the closing time. But I wanted to uh, read you this one thing here uh, before we go, so that we all get our minds straight uh, and our minds right with Jesus. <laughs> And I want to thank you very much for coming out tonight. I know some of this has been difficult terrain, but I really feel a lot better having said it uh, and getting it off my chest. Um, uh, I can't do anything uh, better with my power uh, as a white privileged male comedian than to be an ally to my sisters in comedy. Because comedy is a big – and this is going to be – we are one big family. We actually don't hate each other, and there's not as many rivalries as you would think. Um, Of course there's animosity, and uh, there's certain comedians that I could do without who shall remain nameless because it's not important for you to know that I don't particularly like their comedy. Um, We all have to earn a living in the same giant business, and we're thrust into it. Comedies gets (laughs) – even in music, which is the dirtiest industry in the world, what's left of it, you get to be in categories. Like, there's country. And within country, there's traditional, and there's Americana, and there's all these designations. Within uh, hip-hop, there's various designations. Within uh, 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 you know classical, there's light, and there's opera, and there's this and that. Comedy is divided up, right? Uh, there's, like, Def Jam comedy. But generally, comedy is just comedy, and so I'm on the same Venn diagram as Sinbad and Piff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> now, only because we all do comedy and we're all stand-up comics. Now, our comedy has nothing to do with one another. I have ne- my comedy bears no resemblance to the Blue Collar Tour uh, or anything like that. But we all get shoved into a big thing. So I go to comedy clubs and people come to the show and go, I didn't like your comedy. You talked about politics. This is a magic box. And inside this magic, here, play Greg Proops videos. Oh, fuck you. Yes, you could find one. <laughs> Greg Proops, stand up. Oh, Greg Proops. Contact information I am Greg Proops. Bob the Builder, <laughs> Big Dino Dig, I forgot about that one, comedy videos of Greg Proops. Here are some videos of Greg Proops I found on the web. See how long that took? People come to the comedy club and they're like, well, I didn't know what a show's going to be like. And then it takes absolutely one second to fucking find a comedy video of me. Yeah, this one had piano. Um, so I don't buy that excuse. If you come to my show and you get mad at me because I don't hate women and because I hate Orange 45, fuck you. Be an informed comedy consumer. I don't go to a NASCAR race and go, what the fuck is this? I thought they were going to drive the kind of cars I like. I, you know? I don't go to a country show and go, I like jazz, play jazz. Yet people feel fully empowered to come to a stand-up show and go, do oh, just jokes I lack. Like. I was heckled in Boston a couple years ago. And I was on this bit about women being harassed on the street. And the guy yelled from the back of the room, What are you a woman? That was the heckle. And how do you even respond to that? Do you possess any information? Is that a comeback on that one? He was also with a woman and I thought, oh, you lucky lady. He's confused about my gender because I don't hate women. Because clearly if you don't hate women and think that hassling them on the street is a good idea, you are one of them. You see the mental gymnastics I have to go through to perform for you people. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. You have been the smartest cod in the world. I have been the smartest man in the world. Maybe page that you turn be a satchel page, maybe bell that rings be a cool Papa bell. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're very bonds. I wish you get the